Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Kitchen Table Theology. I'm your host, Jen Denton, and along with Pastor Jeff Cranston, we are systematically unfolding what the scripture teaches regarding what a lot of us might believe to be hard to understand, slightly scary theological topics. But we believe what Dr. R.C. Sproul had to say about theology. Theology is not a luxury. It is the very foundation of the Christian life. And without this foundation, our efforts to impact the world for Christianity will miss their mark. And we're always attempting to talk about theology in a way that's applicable to the lives we live. Today, we're going to be continuing our study on the doctrine of Christology. Throughout six podcasts, we'll be diving into the study of Jesus Christ. Three of those podcasts are already in the theological can, so to speak. And if you missed any of those episodes, you can go back to 35, 36, and 37 on the deity, incarnation, and crucifixion of Christ. Check those out if you haven't. Today, we're going to be addressing the topic of the resurrection. Now, Pastor Jeff, you shared with me a story, I don't know if you recall, about Billy Graham and the former chancellor of West Germany. It's a great story. It is a great story. So will you allow me to share it with our listeners here today? Yeah, you're going to (laughs) like Well, Billy Graham and, again, the former chancellor of West Germany, a man by the name of Conrad Adenauer, they meet, and he tells this story of the time he was invited to have coffee one morning with Conrad Adenauer before he retired as the Chancellor of West Germany. And when Dr. Graham walked in, he said that he'd expected to meet a tall, stiff, formal man who might even be a little bit embarrassed if he brought up the subject of religion. After the greeting, the Chancellor suddenly turned and said, Mr. Graham, what is the most important thing in the world? Billy Graham said that before he could even answer, Adenauer answered his own question. The chancellor said, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ is alive, then there is hope for the world. If Jesus Christ is in the grave, then I don't see the slightest glimmer of hope on the horizon. Furthermore, he said, and when I leave office, I intend to spend the rest of my life gathering scientific proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's a great, great story. Adenauer had formed a political party after Germany's defeat following World War II. And during the war and leading up to it, he had been a staunch opponent of Hitler. And he served as the chancellor, like you said, of West Germany, starting in 1949, all the way up through 1963. And very instrumental he was in helping Germany climb out of the rubble of World War II, both literally and figuratively. And it's a great story because it's a true story. And I don't know why, but I think we're always a little surprised when we hear world leaders make such strong declarations of faith that give us some insight into their own beliefs. Yeah, we are, we are, I think, because we, we tend not to hear those sorts of statements very often. But Adenauer was a strong Catholic and founded a political party, which brought together both Protestants and Catholics. And that made it a very formidable political party in those days. And man, what he said is so true, isn't it? I, I love this. I want to repeat it. If Jesus is alive, then there is hope for the world. If Jesus is in the grave, then I don't see the slightest glimmer of hope on the horizon. Yeah, I, I think every Christian would have to say a hearty amen to, For the, uh, sure. to the chancellor there. 
And then that leads us to today's podcast topic, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what a topic it is. You know, just a small one. Yeah, just a little <laughs> So where do we begin? Well, why don't we begin at the beginning? And by the beginning, I mean what is foundational. Uh, we, we've talked about other foundational aspects of the Christian faith, and this topic is certainly one of the most important because it's within the framework of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that the validity of the Christian faith is determined. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. And if we're still in our sins, we're still in real trouble, aren't we? <laughs> we're in enough trouble anyway, but yeah. <laughs> so that means that the resurrection is sort of the keystone of our faith, because if we don't have the resurrection of Jesus, do we even have a Christian faith at all? It is absolutely foundational, and you're right. Without it, our faith is baseless. You know, another translation of that First Corinthians uh, 15 verse reads, if Christ has not been raised... Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Pretty strong stuff. It is. So how about walking us through some of those key components of the resurrection? And while you do, note why they're so meaningful and important. Yeah, so let's begin with, this almost seems silly, but let's just lay the foundation, the basic truth of the fact that the resurrection means that Jesus is alive. You think that would be, you know, pretty apparent, but... We need to define, I think, what that actually means. So let's be sure we understand what that means. Jesus is alive. You know, you know, it's likely all of us have lost a loved one to death at some point or another during our lives. Sometimes at a memorial service or funeral, we will hear people remark, you know, along lines of, um, boy, our, you know, our loved ones will always be kept alive in our hearts and in our memories. And that can be comforting. And, you know, it's quite true. But when we say that Jesus is alive, we mean much more than he is alive in our hearts and our memories. Jesus is actually physically alive. He physically rose from the dead. When his followers, both male and female, went to his tomb following his death and burial, it was empty. And then furthermore, we understand that without Jesus' triumph over death and the grave, that we have no forgiveness of our sins, right? But there have to be additional and more important truths connected with the resurrection. So how about walking us through some of those? Yep. So he is alive. It it was a physical resurrection. And there are quite a few additional and equally important realities connected with Christ's resurrection. So, yeah, let's, let's dive into just a few. Maybe, kitchen table theologian, this will whet your appetite for you to do more of a personal deep dive into some of this. And I want to borrow a couple of concepts from a theologian and teacher, Dr. Paul Enns, and he writes some of this up in his book called The Moody Handbook of Theology. We'll connect you to that in the episode notes. So I just want to take like his big idea, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk about it for, for a minute or two. First of all, in addition to the fact that Christ is alive, we know that the resurrection was the guarantee— of the Father's acceptance of the Son's work. So with the reality of the resurrection, the work of the cross was wholly, completely completed. You may remember Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, asking that the cup would pass from him. Well, was that only a prayer to avoid the cross? I, 
I'll be honest. I've always thought that's what it was. But I, I wonder if there's more to it than that. You know, the prayer was along the lines, Father, you know, if it's your will or something like that, please allow this cup to pass from me. And uh, I just assumed it was a cross. But think with me for a second. Could it not also have been a prayer that this cup could have also meant this life, this physical death, to pass from him into resurrected life. It, it certainly gives us something to think about. And if it was, we know that God the Father heard that prayer and raised the Son from the dead, indicating his acceptance of the work of Jesus on Calvary's cross. You know, we've mentioned a few times already the fact that Jesus physically rose from the dead. Do you mind if we run down a rabbit trail? I was here? so hoping Just we a would minute. run down a rabbit trail. Yeah. <laughs> That's a loaded question when I ask that question. Yeah. All right, buckle up, everybody. <laughs> okay, here it is. I'm guessing that most of us have always wondered, as a child or maybe as, as an adult, and we hate to admit it, what was that resurrected body of Jesus really like? You mean like Casper the Friendly Ghost or? Well, I don't think about it that way. I guess I think about like light and sparkles. Sparkles. Maybe. Yeah, maybe we better address it. <laughs> yeah, it is really interesting, though. What, Jen, what do you remember from the Gospels about Jesus's resurrected body? Because we're told any number of things about it. I mean, I think in any visualization, it makes me just think about, you know, you see the, the shroud that's there and yeah. it just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I don't like having this analogy in my head, but in that movie, The Santa Claus, when Santa falls off the roof and Santa's there one second and then he just kind of like dissolves into the snow. I don't know. Did Jesus kind of just like dissolve into sparkles up into... You're making me glad I really haven't seen that movie yet. Okay, good. But uh, <laughs> may maybe we better... <laughs> Let, let's, let's see if we can go to the scriptures a, a little bit here. So... What what do you remember from the Bible? Maybe from I wasn't the clear. Bible. Okay. What do you remember that the Bible says about? Well, the I mean, we body? know that people recognized him, right? I mean, yeah. he showed the disciples both of his hand, both his hands and his side, and then the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. We know that. So, based on that, we know that you could still see his physical wounds from the crucifixion. Right. We know he wasn't just some uh, spirit or apparition or a ghost. Because he did have flesh and bones in that resurrected body. Well, see now you're getting now you're getting some somewhere. We've, we've flesh on the bones. Progress. So we've, progress. Yeah, we've, moved, we've gotten away from Santa Claus, and now we've gotten back to Jesus. So, <laughs> I told but, you it was a rabbit trail. Yeah. Well, you know, at the end of Luke's gospel, we find Jesus post resurrection talking with the disciples, and when he's talking to them, he he tells them, "See my hands." See my feet, that it's I myself. And then he says, touch me and see. And then as far as the apparition type of thing goes, he says, for a spirit, I think in the King James Version, it says a ghost mm -hmm. does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. So this is post-resurrection. So this is the resurrected body. And then Luke says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. So that's more to your point. And why did he show him his hands and feet? Because they could see the wounds from the, from the resurrection. And we also know that he could, ooh, he could enter closed rooms without opening doors or windows. Yeah, that's and pretty, 
awesome. Yeah. yeah. And that he could also appear and disappear at will. Right. And so what we're talking about and seeing is in these instances is that the physical resurrected body of Christ was a new prototype body. And when Jesus resurrected, we have for the very first time in history a new kind of resurrection because his resurrected body was an eternal body, a body never to die again. Before the event of Jesus' resurrection, all previous resurrections were really restorations to the former earthly bodies. Lazarus, Jairus's daughter, there's a number of examples. When Jesus raised somebody from the dead, he didn't raise them to a resurrected, glorified body like he had after the cross. He restored them to their former earthly bodies, which, you know, Lazarus died. Jesus restored him to life, but Lazarus died again down, you know, some at some further point down the road. That never happened to Jesus. So we're, we're given, this is really a pretty neat thing. We're given uh, in the book of Revelation by John a really detailed description of the risen Christ in Revelation 1, 12 through 16. So Jen, how about reading that for us? So kitchen table theologians lean in here because here we get just a very awesome description of what Jesus looks like in his resurrected body. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like the son of man, clothed in a white robe, reaching to the feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white, like white wool, like snow. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. I mean, how incredible is that? You know, what the apostle John is recording for us is his vision of the glorified Christ. Now, John says, And there he was, Jesus was like a son of man, which links Jesus to his former earthly appearance. But he also radiated glory from his eyes, feet, voice, face. And this is the way we shall all see him one day. Dare I say sparkly. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's in the Greek, but... Shiny. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. (laughs) And that is so incredible. I mean, I think it's something that we just can't even... I'm glad we have descriptions like that because it's something we really just can't even conceive of. Yeah. Yeah. So what else should we know about the resurrection? Okay, so now we've returned and we're off the rabbit trail again, so... (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Oh, no, that was fun. That was... I I love that. So we know that Christ is, is actually alive... Oh, and also that that what he did in the resurrection was the guarantee of the Father's acceptance of his work on the cross. So here's here's something else. The resurrection was essential in God's overall program for us. So what does that mean? Well, we needed the Holy Spirit. It was determined before the foundation of the world that we were going to have the Holy Spirit. And that was part of God's overall program for us to, to have him. And Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit. In John 16, he told the disciples, I'm going to send one to you who is a helper. 
and he calls him an advocate and a comforter and some other things. But in order for the Holy Spirit to come to us, Jesus Christ had to depart. He had to leave this world, and that necessitated the resurrection. And then Dr. Renz reminds us that the resurrection fulfilled the prophecies concerning Christ's resurrection. Now, we could do an entire podcast, probably we could do a whole series of podcasts just on the fulfilled prophecies concerning Jesus. But just in brief, in Psalm 16, we'll just take one of them. David prophesied of Christ's resurrection, and he wrote this, For you, that's God, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. Now, Sheol is an Old Testament Hebrew word, and it's that's the netherworld. And that it simply means the place of the dead or the place of, de- of uh, departed souls or spirits. The New Testament Greek equivalent of Sheol is Hades. And you might not have heard of Sheol, but you've probably heard of Hades, which also is a general reference to the place of the dead and Boy, will that ever be a great topic for a podcast. So we should do that when we get to the doctrine of heartiology. That's the theology that studies the lostness of humanity, our separation from God. So let's let's be sure to do that. That we'll we'll talk about what happens, where where what happens immediately when we die. Where do we go if we're Christians? Where do we go if we're not Christians? I got some visuals on what I think Hades looks like too. <laughs> yeah, they are neither shiny nor sparkly. <laughs> so but that will be incredibly interesting. So we'll do that. Uh, so David says, For you will not abandon my soul to shield, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. Mm. Now the Apostle Peter indicated the resurrection of Christ fulfills the prophecy of Psalm 16. And of course, Jesus himself not only predicted his death, but also his resurrection. Mm -hmm. Now, there's one other aspect that I think all of us would like to see you unpack a tiny bit more. You mentioned earlier that Jesus' resurrected body was, what did you call it? A prototype? Prototype. A prototype body. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, we always want to make kitchen table theology applicable to our lives. And if this part isn't applicable or applicable, I don't know, however you want to pronounce that word. I don't know what is. So the the resurrected body of Jesus serves as a prototype of the resurrected body of believers. So two times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the firstborn from the dead. Paul says it in Colossians John says it in Revelation, the firstborn from the dead. This means that Jesus was the first to have an eternally resurrected body. Our resurrection bodies, if we die in Christ, like his, will be different from our earthly bodies. So that then leads to the obvious question, well, what will the resurrected bodies of believers look like? Now, Paul said they will not be the same bodies that were laid in the grave, simply reconstituted. Uh, Those are my words, not Paul's, but like Lazarus, like we talked about it, you know, they're not going to be restoration works, you know, they're going to be resurrected, but they will be new. So when you die in Christ, your resurrection, resurrected body will be a new body, but it's still going to be related to the former body. 
So kitchen table theologians, if you want to read what Paul said, check out 1 Corinthians 15, 35 to 41, and we'll, uh, we'll put that reference in the episode notes as well. And I know that the Bible says somewhere that we will one day be like him. So what does that mean? How does that tie into all of this, if at all? You sure that's in the Bible and not just in some song? I don't know. Could have been no. surrounded by sparkles at this point. <laughs> no, I, I, you're referring to First uh, John chapter 3. Uh, and John, the apostle, teaches us, and remember, as all the biblical writers were, he is writing under the direct guidance of the Holy Spirit. And in First John 3... John says that when you and I become like Christ, biblically speaking, that means that we will be pure, we will be without sin, we will be righteous, and our entire beings, including our bodies in that resurrected form, will be characterized like that. And this is incredibly interesting, but it's time to start drawing this podcast to a close. So let's wrap up with my favorite question. <laughs> All good things must come to an end, and our end usually starts this way. What? So what? So what? <laughs> that so what question. What does the resurrection of Jesus mean for us today? Well, I think the Apostle Paul answers that very succinctly when he wrote in his letter to the Romans. He said this, Jesus was given to die for our sins, and he was raised from the dead to make us right with God. The entirety of our salvation depends and is predicated upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when we receive him by faith, our sins are forgiven. We have resurrected life then. And you, if you're in Christ, you will one day assume that resurrected, glorified body and will be like, just like Jesus Christ in that sense of the resurrected body. In fact, through faith in Jesus, you and I have resurrection power available to help us live for today. And here's another, so what? I love this. These verses in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20, those verses encourage us to know this incomparably great power that's, in, that's at work in us. So Paul writes, God's power is very great for us who believe. That power is the same as the great strength God used to raise Christ from the dead and put him at his right side in the heavenly world. Now, that is a great verse in the original language as well, because the, the word power is the Greek word dunamis, and we get our word dynamite. So that, from, from that word. So the, the, the explosive, strong power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, he says and tells us it is alive in us, right now. And then uh, we, we Paul says he raised, raised Christ from the dead and put him at his right side in the heavenly world. And that latter concept, by the way, refers or touches on the ascension of Christ uh, when he left this world. And we'll dive into that in our very next podcast. A pastoral colleague of mine, Dr. Dana Goodnow, in his, has this really excellent little book called Three Minute Theology. And he wrote this, Jesus' resurrection is the basis of our faith and the basis of our victory over sin day by day. So you know, Jen, it was the fact of the resurrection of Christ that called the disciples to go out 
as these burning young revolutionaries to change the world of their day. They preached that Christ is alive, and all but one paid for that message with their lives. Mm -hmm. And that should be our message every day of the year as well. Mm -hmm. Well, as we wrap up today's podcast, don't forget about those episode show notes. Pastor Jeff noted a couple of different things in today's podcast, and you'll want to check those out when you get a chance. All of the scripture references we use today, you'll find there, along with some of the books Pastor Jeff has also mentioned. These episode notes are prepared and freely available for you for just about every podcast that we do. They're created with you in mind to be a corollary help to you as you dive deeper into the doctrine and theology of the Christian faith. Also, if you haven't already, we'd be so grateful if you take a minute or two and leave us a rating or review. That does help us to get the word out about Kitchen Table Theology. And if you've already done it, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And speaking of appreciation, we want to thank you for joining us. We appreciate you. But we also want to thank our sound engineer, or in today's case, engineers. We've got a duo, Pat Nichols and Gabe Diaz, and they are a part of here at our team here at Low Country Community Church here in Bluffton, South Carolina. Without all of those individuals, we wouldn't be able to make this podcast possible. And as we close, let's always remember that the real power of theology is not only knowing it, but applying it. As Pastor Jeff mentioned, our next podcast will be on the ascension of Jesus, an incredibly interesting topic, unfamiliar to, honestly, a lot of us. We hope you'll join us, and we'll catch you right here next time on Kitchen Table Theology. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.